Hello and welcome to Unlimited Parenting, where we discuss having children with disabilities or special health care needs. I'm Allison, and with me today is a very special and esteemed guest, Kate Christensen. We are picking up on the second half of her story. I'm so glad that you've come back to hear the ending because she's going to give a lot of great information. So we're going to pick up right where we left off, and I am going to segue right into Kate talking about her experience with developmental preschool. Starting the IT process, like the transition from developmental preschool to elementary school, going to kindergarten with Max. I had a rough go, um, sweet little Max. Uh, the transition team wasn't going to allow my the DDA, the person that was contracted to work with my son at school. They weren't going to renew those contracts, oh. and they they were going to be working with another agency. And I said, well. We just started this process, right? We're still, you know, this person knows my son. I, I, you know, those are scary moments as parents, right? Now I, now I can kind of see the beauty and change and, and new people. And, and it's more people to understand and to learn about autism. But the training, the, the, the changing of hands is still a very difficult subject because it's like, my gosh, another another person I have to teach how my son functions in this world and how this world is not set up for him and and what what's the best way to help him so we went to that meeting and I, I want to say it was the last year of developmental preschool because that's when we started this process and I was questioning whether or not to keep him in developmental preschool and I said the the person who was our she was the director for the preschool and then my team for the new school. And they were like, well, we don't want him to have his talking device. We want to make sure that he actually is nonverbal. We want to see how he does without it. We want to make sure he actually is nonverbal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We want to make sure he actually needs it and we want to see how he communicates without it. Okay. And this was my first, experience and advocacy where I used my big girl voice. Um, I was very proud of this moment. I'm still proud of this moment because I looked directly in the face. <laughs> yes, Kate. <laughs> yes. The, yes. I looked her directly in the face and I said, would you like me to take your voice box out and see if you learn how to communicate in a month? You want to see how that looks like for you? Oh, powerful. And the whole, the whole room, I was so angry. Um, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a calm moment. I was probably crying because when I'm angry, I cry. Uh, and I turned beet red. Like all the blood that could possibly go from any point in my body goes to my <laughs> face and my chest. And so I look like I'm about to explode with just everywhere like I'm I'm so hot like it feels like a hot flash and I know it's there and I know they're all looking at, at me like oh my gosh this lady's face explode and I'm like I'm gonna take your voice box out so you can see how you function day to day for 30 days what do you think about that she's like well that's, that's not really what that means I'm like it really does 
because you're essentially saying that you want to take away the only form of communication he's known uh, that has been effective for him. And you just want to see like it's some kind of experiment. And that was when I left that meeting and my, the person who works with that worked with Max, um, she had just casually said, Hey, you know what? You should contact, um, I know parents unlimited. I'm like, what is that? And she goes, Oh, well they're, um, they're a place that can help you with all this stuff with IEPs and, and all that. And I go, okay. Uh, where do these people come from? Because I even these people years ago right. and she's like, go ahead here, here, uh, here's the phone number. I'm like, all right. So I called and I talked to a, a person who's not there anymore. But I spoke to her on the phone and I'm bawling. Don't, never met this person. I'm sure you get calls like this all the time. Never met this person. I'm bawling. I'm in, you know, not understanding how the meeting went so badly. And she tells me, Oh, it sounds like, you know, you might need a facilitated meeting. I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> what else? What new thing do I have to do now? Right. Like, I'm just like, okay. And she's like, don't worry. Like, we'll get this set up. And, um, you know, we have to con- contact the State Department of Education, talk about dispute resolution. And they, what they do is they have this facilitator and they'll come to your meeting and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, so how much is this going to cost? You know, because speech therapy was already so much, you know, before that. And I was like, okay, what does this cost? She's like, nope, this is completely free to you. And I'm just like, <laughs> bawling my eyes out. And she is just sitting there being so gracious with me and understanding. Like, I told staff, I love you all so much. Um, just, you just get it. You just get it. You know, when you walk this life, you just get it. And at that point, I didn't know that this is who they were. And so I'm just, I was just so thrilled to just hear somebody and somebody tell me that I wasn't crazy, you know? Somebody or that you say, had options. Yeah, right? Or that I have options or that, or that what you're asking for is not like, is not like, this isn't wrong. Like you're, you're doing the right thing. And so, um, so we had our facilitated meeting and the facilitator made it very clear that if I did not want to put him in developmental preschool that last year, that I did not have to. And I, because his three year eval was still going to be good. So when we did the transition meeting to kindergarten, it would be just fine. And he would still be, you know, we wouldn't have to do that process again. And we could just write a new IEP. I said, great. Sounds awesome. I don't want him to be with these people anymore who think that his, I don't know, he sometimes, I don't know faking being nonverbal. I don't know. So, um, I pulled him out and put him in HI, you know, habilitative intervention for full time for that next school year until we started kindergarten. And we saw so much growth and, um, especially with community, with communication and really just focused in on, um, you know, understanding how OT works in a classroom. Um, the functionality with, uh, with, communication between his peers, his teachers, uh, the functionality in a classroom of, of uh, like I said, what OT looks like in a classroom setting, um, how to help him uh, with, you know, um, compression clothing, weighted lap pads, uh, bands at the bottom of the chair, um, weighted pencils, uh, all that, which OT is my love language. And <laughs> like, I'm... Yeah. 
actually go, you know, realize where my passion lies. Cause like I had had a career before and I had gone to culinary school. I was a chef and like a pastry chef, like this world was just like the total opposite of where I had come from. And so, um, just currently present day, um, I'm attempting to go back to school to be an OT. I, it has changed our whole lives. I love, I love seeing a kiddo go from not really knowing how to, how, how their body is in a, in a classroom setting and see them successful. And I think there's just such beauty in that because we all don't fit in this box. We all don't yeah. fit in these perfect little cookie cutter shapes. And OT busts through those little boxes. And it's like, no, let's, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. And I, I am eternally grateful. I speak therapist on my damn too, but there's just something so special about OT that um, has my heart. And he, um, he went into kindergarten just ready. Like he was so ready. Like he's always been, my oldest has always been ready for like, he's, he's never been like, uh, like I said, he, he crawled early and walked early and got all these teeth and, the second I drop him off at these places, it's not like, you know, he's never been one to cling to me. He's like, bye. Like, he's ready for an adventure. <laughs> he was ready. He was ready. Um, with Benjamin, it was, it was a big ups and downs, big, big behaviors. Um, lots of protesting transitions were difficult for him. Uh, complete opposite, of course. Uh, so I was learning all new skills with Benjamin that I did not get to learn with Maximus. So we were, you know, learning about um, different language to use with Benjamin when it came to transition. And what helped him was that first then. So, and I still use it to this day. First, we're going to do an unpreferred. Then we're going to do a preferred. And that's how we slowly started to see his growth and in and in progress when it came to doing things he didn't want to do. Um, he's an extremely literal kid. He does not sarcasm has no place <laughs> in his world. And he, he will tell you exactly what he's feeling exactly when he feels it. And, um, we've had some real fun scenarios over the years with complete strangers, uh, when it came to, um, let's see, protesting, (laughs) (laughs) uh, literal, literal protests. Like, um, I, I'm a very active member of my community and I enjoy uh, participating in things that give us that right and ability to protest. So I take him with me. I take all the kids with me, but yeah. So just recently we were actually walking and I'm, I was wearing a shirt because, you know, I wear these, okay. This shout out to this, this, this company is called kind cotton teeth. They are a movement that creates these t-shirts that um, are for a huge group of, um, Lots of different band guns, not books, but this is like, uh, this one's like my shirt that I'm wearing now. It's like, you are seen, you are loved, you are valued. It's for Pride Month for June. Um, then there's um, 
uh, gosh, uh, empower, educate, like uh, teacher t-shirts, supporting our teachers, supporting, um, there's so many different movements. And then a percentage of these profits go back to getting books for kids in schools and they donate large amounts of books for schools. And so I get this monthly t-shirt that comes. And so I'm walking to the store with Benjamin and we're going to, I don't know what store it was, but I'm wearing a t-shirt that says like love is love and you know, uh, you know, something about, I think it's about neurodiversity, but this one I think said love is love and it's got all the rainbowy colors. And I love wearing these shirts because they're one super comfortable and soft, but two, I love the messages that they have on them. And, um, <laughs> uh, a gentleman decides to flip me the bird, oh. a complete stranger, complete stranger, uh, flips me the bird and in front of your kids Benjamin knows what that, yep. But Benjamin knows what that means because we've had to talk about it in the past because it happened at school, you know. Um, I have some fun conversations with Ben's teachers. And oh, I imagine. Benjamin <laughs> said, <laughs> Benjamin's te- uh, but this Benjamin just sees everything and he looks and he stops dead in his tracks. He says, hey, you can't do that. That means oh. this, right? We all know what, what the bird yeah. off means. And he says, he says the literal word and he's got his finger right off this guy. Like Ben is a very literal person. He's like, you can't say that. That means this. And that's not nice. Yeah. You're breaking the rules. And I know. And this person's face was like full of shock because he did not expect my sweet little 10 year old boy to do that. But we have talked a lot about, okay, that's a you know, very powerful thing. Uh, it's, sends a very strong message and this is what it means. And I'm always very honest with my boys about those kinds of things, especially with Benjamin, because he's a literal kid and he knows exactly what these things mean. And this person didn't say anything. And I'm like, um, I said, Ben, I said, Benjamin, it's okay. Like, it's all right. Thank you. So it's not a nice thing to do. And we're just going to go back. And he just kept going. That's not nice. He shouldn't do that. That is mean. And, and I'm like, it's okay, buddy. It's all right. You know, um, let's go to the car. So we get to the car. And of course, in the car, I'm like, my internal mom, like, I'm just like, yes! like I'm so pumped that yeah. my son <laughs> like stood up in that moment to understand that this was something that was ugly and gross and like, don't say that. Like, and of course I was going to ignore it. Right. Like I was going to ignore it, whatever. But I was just, I was very proud in that moment of my son because we involve our kids a lot in the process of, you know, IEPs and, and, and they are very much in those meetings and a part of that process. And that right there for me was his little advocate, like, his little ball of fire, as I call it, in the gut, right? That, like, is growing for him. And it was just, in an ugly situation, it was a beautiful moment for me as a mom to see. Yeah. And, of course, he still talks about it to this day. Like, remember that guy who said this to you? (laughs) It's a core memory. (laughs) It is, it is. And plus his memory, because of the echoalia and his ability to memorize things and, and, so vividly. Um, I don't think he'll ever forget it, honestly. Uh, Echo Alia is so incredible. Um, I've been to a couple conferences, but I remember the first advice I ever received from our speech therapist about Echo Alia when, when it came to Benjamin, especially. 
she said, insert yourself into the conversation. Because I said, he's talking so fast. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know. I don't know how, like, because at first it was a bunch of like mumbling, right? And then he would like throw in a couple words that I could, I could understand. And so she's like, throw yourself into the conversation. So like when he started being more clear with his words as he got older, he would say, I want to go, you know, we're going to go to the market today. And like, we're going to go to the market. We are, what are we going to get? <laughs> and he, and he'd look at me and he'd go, no, that's, that's not what I meant. That's not what I mean. And I go, well, you said we're going to go to the market. He's like, well, I want chips. I was like, you want to go to the market to get chips? Yes. I want to go to the market to get chips. So slowly we started seeing that change from a scripted part of a show turn into his wants and needs. So that communication changed a lot there for us. So, and we started noticing that all the scripts, like even when he would say it and it was out of context for that scenario, it was very much in context for the meaning behind the phrase or the sentence or the whole paragraph of what he was saying. And I'm like, wow, like it's kind of incredible. Like he's using it in correct context. He was and always so trying to communicate, slowly, right? He was. And I, and you know, part of me felt so bad because I was like, wow, I'm, I'm finally getting it a few years after diagnosis to where I could not, I'm like, I, I want to, you know, you, when you get in the car after school, I say, Ben, how was your day? And then he would say something, something scripted thing. I'm like, oh, buddy, that sounds amazing. But I, I never knew. But like now when he comes home from school and he still is very much like, you know, like a lot of kids, like, you know, how was your day? Great. <laughs> but I'll say, what did you do in class today that made you happy? And he's like, oh, well, I got to go to you know, I got to do this or I got to make popcorn or I, I was able to do this. Wow, buddy, tell me more. And then he'll say, like, so talking about tell me more, he'll still insert some script, but then he'll bring out some original context too. And so it's kind of like a mix of scripting and original context from him. And it's kind of beautiful and I love it. And it's not kind of beautiful. It is beautiful. And I, I enjoy that part of him. And I think finding the joy in like somebody else who doesn't have a kiddo, like and just has like a typical conversation with their child and they give a typical answer. And, um, you know, there's beauty in that too, but somebody who, who doesn't, it doesn't come as easily, I should say that you really had to fight for to understand and to make sense of things. I've just it carries really a different weight. It. it does. It does. And you know, don't get me wrong. There are days when I go to a store and I see a kiddo who's my oldest son's age, who is telling their mom about their day and saying, "Hey, they really want this thing or that thing or this thing," or, or you know, "This is how my day went." Or talking about a sports team that they're on. I I get emotional. I some days it can be hard to um, see a version that I thought my child would be. But at the same time, I am the mother I am because of him and because of everything that he and Benjamin and Samuel have all taught me. And comparing myself to others, I learned very quickly 
will not go very far um, to help your mental health at all. 100%. And I did learn very quickly. And I did learn very quickly that mental health and taking care of yourself, either with medication or therapy or both, you know, they always talk about me time and, and, you know, taking a bubble bath. I'm like, no, that's not my version of self-care. My version of self-care is my therapy session. My, my medication is self-care and making sure I'm taking my medication to help with my anxiety. Um, that is my self-care. Um, and I will forget. I, there are days when I don't take it or a week when I don't take it. And then I'm like, wait, what's going on with me? Something's, something feels off. Something feels, and I'm like, Oh no, like I haven't taken my anxiety meds for a week. Like what oh. has happened? And that affects, that affects a lot too, because I'm, I'm the one that, you know, my husband is an amazing partner as well. And he's very hands-on and he goes to all these appointments too. And in the beginning he was, my ride or die, he still is, my ride or die, and um, an incredible partner. And I I mean, just everything that, you know, I know that it can be difficult for parents when you've got a kiddo with, with, with a disability and special needs and can be very straining on a marriage. Um, I will say um, we've somehow managed to find our our solid ground with each other and you know, there are difficult days. There are difficult conversations sometimes. And sometimes we're harder on Ben than we are on Max, but the expectations shouldn't be any different. But yet sometimes we make those exceptions because he's nonverbal and I don't, you know, there's just something that as a parent, you make those choices and sometimes they're not the right choices and you call me out on it. Well, would you do that for Max? Or would you do that for Ben? The same yeah. way you did it for Max? I'm like, well, no, I wouldn't. Thanks for calling me out. You know, like I try to hold the expectations high and, and for all my kids and um, the, the partnership has not been so like, I, I couldn't be the mom I am without my partner. I'm, I'm just truly grateful for him um, on a day to day basis. He, he truly is uh the best partner for me and, and the father to our kiddos. So I'm very grateful. It's a long road. And like I said, that, that advice I got with the check marks and the taking it one step at a time is uh, slowly over time. I realized that that's the advice that I generally will give to parents now when I help them with the IEP process or with Medicaid or, or trying to figure out Katie Beckett, I will um, tell them to one day at a time, one checkbox, and just go down the list of what you need to do. Um, so when I when I started, when, when the boys were all settled in school and IEPs were going and my youngest was in preschool and, you know, I'm starting to find my footing again is when I started to dive into um, helping uh, other parents because I was like, I never want to feel another parent to feel that way that I felt where I didn't know what to do or who to turn to or where to go. So when I, when I first had talked to IPOL, when that whole uh, facilitated meeting had happened, I said, okay, where can I learn how to do this more effectively, right? So I started going to trainings. We had them in person then up here in the North. We don't have them up here in the North um, in person right now. I hope to have them back one day. But um, the, she would do monthly trainings. 
I think I went to the IEP training, which is the same training every time, but (laughs) you learn something new. You learn something new every time. I will say that. I still learn something new every time. I think I went to that training 12 times, maybe 15. Wow. At least. And that's how I started to really understand the IEP process, my rights as a parent, my son's rights, what that looks like, how to build an effective IEP, how to, you know, create that really solid, strong, strength-based IEP. And that was literally all because of the training I received from Idaho Parents Unlimited. So it was all free. It was all free. Um, and I was like, I just dove in. My husband would come home from work. I'd go to the nightly training that we had at the hospital. Um, and then the next month it would, maybe it was an IEP. It was strength-based IEPs or something else. And I would go and I, I would learn, they'd bring that home. And I mean, I can't even tell you, like I said, it had to be a dozen times at least of these trainings. And so, um, over time, just word of mouth, I would just tell parents like, here, here's, here's what you can do to help yourself and help your child. Um, and I just started slowly being somebody that I would get random calls. Hey, my friend so-and-so told me to call you to help. And I'm like, oh, great, let's talk. And that was my goal, was to just be that first lifeline to where I could pass off to somebody who knew more than me or um, ask a question if I didn't know the answer. And that's how I started slowly to learn more and more. And now over the last nine years, Ten, oh God, almost a decade. That's that's what I do, and I will to this day still get calls. I I take probably half a dozen calls a week. Oh, you're so instrumental parents. in your community. Well, from parents who are just, you know, I started volunteering. I started volunteering at the Autism Society here locally, and that's where I met a lot of people too, and parents, and um, getting to know, you know, those families, and getting to know, the, you know, the ins and outs of. You know, I know this feels overwhelming, but there's never a brick wall. There's always a fork in the road. So we can always pick a, a path, right? Like the brick wall, like, you know, you feel like you're at the end, but there's always a fork. Let's choose this path or this path. Which way would you like to go? Okay, now there's another fork or another decision to make. It never hits the end for me. Um, I feel like there's always new ways to approach things. So... Like I said, now I, I got a call just a couple, see, this is last year, I think, my, um, the owner of our DDA agency is like, well, I've got a, a case manager at Health and Welfare who used to work for me, and she'd like to be able to refer parents to you. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just a parent, but if they need somebody to talk to quickly before they can get to the full staff, like, yeah, absolutely. And that's just kind of how I worked. Like, I've been a volunteer for 10 years, and... I love it. I love being able to help a parent in that moment. It, it's my kind of therapy, honestly. I, when they call, I know what to do. I, okay, I, I know you're feeling frustrated. Here's, here's what you can do. Here's what you, you know, like I always preface, right? I'm not legal advice. I'm, I'm a, a volunteer and I'm a parent and, you know, but here are your resources. And I think another good point to make too is that I'm not there to do it for them. Just like you guys aren't with IPOL staff. Like, you're not there to do it for them. You are there to help educate them and guide them through the process as, you know, as best as you can. But I think it's important as a parent to gain those skills to do it for yourself and with your child. 
Um, because if you have somebody there with you doing it for you, um, what do you learn? What do you, what are you going to learn from this process that this isn't a sprint? This is a marathon and you need to be able to accumulate those skills and know the routes to go when it's your turn. Like, and I always tell the parents after I get off the phone or we solve some big problem, do this for another parent. Like that is your, that's your responsibility. Pay it forward to another parent who might be in this crisis. Um, that's all I ask. And if you don't know the answer, find somebody who does like call me or call I pull or, um, let's figure it out together. And I think that's the, that's the beauty in, in, in volunteering in your community. But also, um, if you've been a stay at home mom and you haven't had job experience for a number of years, this is how I gained, I guess, job experience, but also felt like I had a place, um, in this world that I didn't see coming. Um, and so this last year, just within the last you know school year, um, I, I had a friend of mine who's a special ed teacher here in our district. And she told me, she was like, you know, cause I was looking for something. I was like, I can't be full time. I can't like, I just want to something that kind of like my kids are all in school. Like I just would really like to, you know, maybe you have a job, but I don't know what that looks like. Um, and she's like, what about substitute? What about being a substitute teacher? I'm like, I'm not a teacher. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be responsible for a room full of kids. She's <laughs> like, no, you don't have to be, you don't have to be like a teacher in a classroom setting. You could be like a sub para. You could fill in on those days. You could, you know, that, that kind of thing. You could figure out what works best for you. And so she's like, just come to my, on your first, your first sub assignment come to my school and I'll just kind of walk you through it. And so she did. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with being a sub para, a one-on-one with, with a student. Um, I did learn very quickly that I cannot work in a classroom with the similar behaviors and struggles I have at home with my children. Um, as much knowledge as I've gained over the years of working with a nonverbal kiddo behavior, um, uh, understanding, you know, the ins and outs of that for my own mental health, I wasn't able to do that at work and do it at home. Boundaries are important. And I think that's a, yes. And that is something very new that I had learned in therapy, um, in the last four years of being in therapy. But, um, so as beautiful as these programs are and how grateful I am for these teams of people, I couldn't be that parent in those, those classrooms uh, or those settings with those, those students. And I'm still able to give advice and, and to be able to help in scenarios, but full-time, even part-time, I saw that it was um, not helping me. So I ended up finding a school here locally where my youngest goes and, uh, they have a student who was needing a one-on-one, but I'm still a sub. I don't work for the district. And they said, if you could give us a couple days a week, a few days a week of working with this student, you know, we could schedule for the rest of the year and it just gives you two, three days a week. And, you know, I said, huh. So I went to work with this student and the first day on the notes and said, this student will not like you working with him at all. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, huh. Thanks for the warning. Uh, this sounds fun. 
Um, and that was back at the beginning of this semester. So it's only been this last semester that I started working with this student. I will tell you what, this kiddo is one of my favorite kiddos to work with ever. And he requests me. He has gone to, which he received an IEP this semester, and he has gone to his IEP meetings because of um, me basically discussing with him what an IEP is and how important it is for his education. He's a little older. He's, you know, in the, you know, not kindergarten, first grade, he's in fourth grade, but um, I was able to help him understand with how important that IEP was. I was like, you know, like this document is, is here to help you. Like it's here to help you. And he's like, no, it's not. And so I like break it down for him. I'm like, look, here, here's all the specifics. Like you want to go over it? He's like, sure. So we talk about it and we, we talk about the importance of goals and, and goal setting. Like you're doing great. He likes to see the data. He likes to see how he's doing on a day-to-day basis. And I show him, I'm very clear. Like today has not been a super great day. Can we, can we turn this around? And he sees the data. He's like, Oh, okay. And he'll, you know, he understands like where he's in in his day and how, how we're doing and where we're going. Um, and so next year, I'd probably request to be with him again for a couple days a week and have that consistency because I do, I really do enjoy, like, even on the bad days, I enjoy, like, on the rough days when he doesn't want to do work at all, I, I enjoy um, his perspective. And he's taught me so much on seeing the other side of the fence when it comes to the IEP process, too. And you're just and being in the classroom. Go ahead. I was just you're just so passionate about it. I love it. I love it. I love IEPs. I love the IEP meeting. I look I mean, there's some like this last year I was a little anxious about this transition to middle school for my oldest son. But after being in the school this year and seeing our tremendous educators in our district especially, like my friend who's the works at the high school, she sits down with her students. And they go over their goals. Like she's like very much like, look at this. What do you think about this goal? How does this goal make you feel? Do you think this goal is reachable? Like what is your true perspective on this? And I was sitting down and I was just observing and I'm like, what a phenomenal educator she is, but how that can like grow with them, like be a part of the discussion, be a part of this document that gives you and supplies you with a path to your education and, and what that looks, looks like in a classroom setting. And so I just, I truly appreciate the IP and I, 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 after seeing educators and how they're to implement them in a classroom, it gives me a new perspective on what's realistic and what's not with an IEP as well. I mean, obviously we set goals and we, you know, realistic goals and we try to make that work, but I mean, these teachers in my district, we've had some amazing, amazing SED teachers and gen ed teachers. We've had some rough ones. When I lose the good ones, and we lost the good one last year, she left and went to work for another uh, Idaho agency. I bawled like a baby. I bawled like a baby because when you find your people and you find the people who speak your children's language, as I like to say, um, you don't want to see them go. And that's hard. But I do know and have come to appreciate that change is also good for my children. 
because we need to actively involve more people in understanding neurodiversity, um, acceptance of these diagnoses, um, of all disabilities, and to see that our children have a place in school, in this world, and in a world that wasn't designed for them. And I am, um, like I said, working with the students and, and you know, in the school and, and being able to be around these kids, like that's how I decided that I wanted to be an OT for myself and, and be able to be in these classrooms and, and work with these students and see that progress. And um, I'm just, it's just a, it can be a beautiful process. And I know that there's a lot of struggles and I know a lot of parents have a lot of difficulty with their teens. And I just want you to know that there is beauty to this process and that they can be cohesive, beautiful, strength-based plans that your children can thrive on. And just learning to bend with some of, you know, my, like, I gosh, it's like this, the ins and outs of learning this process. Like you, you, you have to bend a little, right? You bend. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and they're always changeable. If something doesn't work, let's fix it. What, what's another way to go about this? That's kind of where my strength lies is I'm never one to, Nope, didn't work. It's all done. Like, like I said, I don't hit a brick wall. I hit a fork in the road. So, absolutely, here we go. And it's yeah. definitely clearly one of your strengths. And I just want to say, truly, you know, thank you so much for taking some time to just really talk about it. Yeah. And your story is—it's going to help. Hopefully, you don't get hundreds just, of people flooding your phone, but. <laughs> I love it. I, I love when I get a call from, I mean, I say love it, but when a parent is in distress and they call and they don't know what to do. And by the time we get off the phone, they'll say, Oh my gosh, that was so incredibly helpful. Or wow. I didn't even know that existed. That's where I get my joy from your payment. And it is that's, that's, you know, and I, I do get paid now by the district as a sub, which is nice, but there is beauty in being this volunteer is somebody not having to worry about where this, like it's a disciple, right? You, know, you don't have to pay for our services, you know? And so there's a beauty in, in knowing that you can get help that you need without having to fork up some cash for it. Like, like we shouldn't, we should just be able to like, like I just need a little help, a little help to know how to navigate this. And, and it's um, in the right direction. Exactly. So that's, that's my goal is to never let another parent feel like I did where I didn't know which direction to go. And I tell you what, when I first got my hands on a set of iPol pamphlets, also, I took it straight to that pediatrician's office that we no longer go to. Um, he didn't know where to send me when my son wasn't talking. I took stacks of pamphlets and magnets and pens and information. And they're a huge office up here. I mean, they have a, a ton of locations. And I just said, you know, I don't want another parent to feel this way. I don't want them to know not where to go. And now I'll do that in our doctor's office now. They, they had a flyer on the wall for some organization for autism that literally, I went to the website while I was sitting there waiting, and it said website not available. Oh. So I, the doctor comes in, and I was like, hey. He's like, how are you doing? I'm like, great. Um, that website doesn't work. 
And they're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I just typed it in. It doesn't take you to anything. And if a parent is needing information about autism, like, I really feel like that would be uh, a little frustrating. So I came back and I brought a bunch of pamphlets. <laughs> and I brought a bunch of pens. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like those little moments and, and being effective in your community and making those small effective changes for to making sure somebody never feels that way. And that's, that is my goal. How I became part of the board was I, I went to parent leadership back in 2018. So I signed up. I was like, okay, teach me all the things, right? I had been to like a dozen of these IEP trainings. I'm like a week away of just nonstop learning. I'm like, yes, sign me up. Um, signed up, did the interview, got accepted, uh, had this really beautiful week up here in Laclede, Idaho, which is up by Sandpoint. Met some incredible women that I will never forget uh their stories their families we're still very much connected and we'll use each other as resources often and i put in my little one of these little books sarah made of course that has like all the little little quotes and little things that sarah makes because that's what sarah does and of course <laughs> sorry she's one of the eiffel staff too and she made these little booklets and it was like writing down our goals like what were some you know in the next five years what are some goals for you my first goal was to be an IPOL board member and I didn't know what that looked like I just know I wanted to be involved to an organization who had given me so much power and like knowledge that I was like how can I pay this back or how can I pay it forward I guess essentially so I was like, I don't know what that looks like. I've never been a board member to anything in my life. I thought the only thing I know about board members is like from TV where it's like you wear a power suit and you go to a, a skyrise building and you're like <laughs> running a company. I didn't know what a board member looked like. I didn't even know that nonprofits had boards. I, I was completely clueless. And at the time, I don't think they were taking any board members, so I, I didn't um, have that opportunity then. But I did join a local organization, the Autism Society of North Idaho. I served on that board as vice president for, I want to say, three years. I served my term there. And then in the midst of my my term ending with them, um, I interviewed Tripol and became a board member. And in my first meeting, was elected vice president and then I became president, and now I've been the board chair for a couple of years. Thoroughly enjoy it. I enjoy watching this organization grow. I enjoy watching um, staff members grow in their in their areas, and like learning more about them and their families. And gosh, what can we do systemically? What can I do to advocate as far as that goes? And that's when I learned about partners in policy making, mm-hmm. which then I joined last year. And did partners in policy making, which incredible program. Um, so I did that for a year, you know, and then graduated this last, gosh, what was that 2020, 2021, I think, and met some of my favorite people in the whole world through that program. Um, and under really understanding systemic advocacy and policy changes and, and writing letters to legislators and, making effective change here in Idaho and what that looks like and actually putting it into action. What do you do next? Like, And I love that about you. <laughs> it never stops. Like, it's just, okay, well, I've conquered this and now where else can I help? Yeah, where else can we help? Where else can we go? What, 
who who else needs a little guidance? Who else needs a little love? But it's like I want to learn more too, and I'm growing too, and that's why, like I said, going back to school to going to take me a long time with my kids and life and stuff. But going back to school and OT, which essentially starts me from scratch. Like I said, I was a chef and a pastry chef. So if we could go from <laughs> one career to another that has nothing in common, it's these two careers. Okay. Um, but like I said, in the last 10 years of, of being in OT's offices and being in those appointments and how many hours of OT I've done in the last 10 years, with my son, um, I feel like this is my calling. This is this is where my heart is too, and 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 all this other work that I've been able to do, and the volunteer work, and the and the boards, and all that information will only help if you know going forward because I can pass that information on to other parents. Like, hey, look, do you know that this this organization is available to you if you have questions or need extra help? Um, here, like, I'm I'm just. I'm very well versed in my community and what we have to offer. So if a parent does come up with that, with that, I, that's what I'm here for. And I, you know, I know parents sometimes as their kids age out and they get older, they stop, you know, you're not as active as you once were. And I don't know if that'll happen one day, but I will always be available to guide that person in the right direction because I will never let another parent feel the way that I felt in the beginning of this diagnosis process for my children. So my kids are thriving. Um, my husband has epilepsy. So, you know, neurodiversity is very much in our home. That's just who we are as people and as a family. And, you know, I, I go into the schools and we talk about diversity and read books. And I bring, gosh, I used to bring um, Sesame Street books, the Julia books. I used to bring those oh, to yeah. classes. So. We could start at the beginning, you know, like kindergarten. Let's talk about, you know, differences among our peers. And so one day, you need a book for your family and how to discuss what autism is or what disabilities are in general, because that book talks a lot about other disabilities as well. And there's another phenomenal book that I love for children. It's called Just Ask. But she had type 1 diabetes. And so as a child, she would have to do shots and give herself um, injections and things like that. And her biggest thing as a child with diabetes was saying that I just wanted people to ask if they had questions. And it goes through a ton of different diagnoses. There's a kiddo in a, um, in a wheelchair. There's a, a person with um, nut allergies. It, I want to say it probably goes through about 10 different diagnoses, I think, maybe less. It, it all comes back to just ask. And I read that book to a couple of classes. And then I actually had a couple teachers in the first, uh, first grade in kindergarten who've asked to borrow it. And um, I've actually bought a few copies for some of these teachers so they can keep it in their classroom here around. But I, this book really does open the conversation to what makes us all different. And, but just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. It's different. We can all, we're all different. We're all living in this vast world of just people who um, are living their own very authentic self-life, and we should try to learn as much as we can about each other. And so that's uh, that's me in a nutshell. That's our family in a nutshell. Um, well, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I am so, I'm so just, you're just truly inspiring. And the amount of effort and time that you put not only into your kids, not only into your family, but into your community, and I pull on the board and we're just so 
lucky and thankful to have you. And we're just so proud of you. And we know that when you're done with OT and you're ready to just be your own therapist in your practice, you're going to have people knocking down the door. Yeah. To get I, I don't know what that looks for me. Like for me, yeah, I'm like, I, I love the school setting. I love watching the OT. And just as a shout out to my child, he is my oldest. So he he uh, tested out of school-based OT services, okay, direct, direct OT services. Um, he now has indirect. But I told the OT, I said, look, she's like, he's writing his name beautifully. He's doing all the things that qualify you for OT direct services, right? Like the threshold for that is like, what, 7% and you have to qualify under this 7% window in the state of Idaho. And we got to the IEP meeting this last, you know, just, last month and she's in there and she's telling me she's like well I don't need to do direct services with him anymore because he's he's met his goal he's doing beautifully um in the classroom and and he doesn't need my direct services anymore I'm like like I'm so <laughs> thrilled like as much as I love OT and as much as I love this OT I said um does he get a certificate graduate from OT like this is we've never graduated from anything yet I'm like uh so I just literally this morning I took out his backpack to look through his binder and she had made a special certificate just for Max saying he had graduated from OT the sweetest and it's just so sweet and I I I love the school-based OTs and I love um I don't know if that if that's something that that will be in the my future or private, you know, working with kiddos like in a clinic or something. But all I do know is that OT has made a huge impact on our lives and our family and um, and all of this. I mean, I pull OTs, speech therapists, just the vast amount of people who have just see them as the beautiful people that they are. I um, could not be any more grateful to them and um, yeah, and what they've done for our family. Um, and the joy that they bring to my children, because my children want to see these people. They want to see them. They want to be, they want to be with them. And I couldn't ask for anything more. So. Well, thank you so much, everyone out there for listening in. If you're in Idaho or planning on moving to Idaho and have any questions on systems or services for children with disabilities, please reach out to us on our website at ipolidaho.org. That's I-P-U-L-Idaho.org. Be sure to come back next time. Huge thank you to Kate for joining me today. Until then, I'm Allison, and this has been Unlimited Parenting. Thanks for listening.